Warning, you're about to hear unfiltered insights about regenerative agriculture and our sovereign right to natural food. This is not just a podcast, but a patriotic movement against the tide of food ignorance and corporate food giants shaping our modern food system. It's time to feed the people. The Flaming Torch was denied a bank loan. Isn't that how it goes? I know you know it, Brooks. I think so. (laughs) Tip of the tongue, tongue of the teeth. (laughs) What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Feed the People, and we're in a special location with a special guest. I got Brooke here with me. Welcome back. I'm not the guest. Thank you. Brooke is not the guest. You were sick last week, though. Exactly. I was sick. Yeah. You sound awesome, though. Like, you went and got what you needed, and like the next day, I was like, watching your story my wife and i was like dang listen to brooke she got over that quick well i was putting it off i was trying to you know i don't know be healthy on my own and uh (laughs) finally my dad goes we were working he goes you gotta go see somebody (laughs) (laughs) i said okay yeah so i did got some antibiotics they worked yeah awesome good well we're happy for that because now we're all here together and we're with josie josie's our special guest josie young welcome to the show Thanks for having me. Glad I'm, to have I'm you. glad you guys asked me to be on your show. Yeah. So, Josie, uh, we connected. You are with 10X Farm and Ranch. You do a few other things as well. You have a, a family business that you run. Um, but we're excited to be here with you. This was a 10X Farm and Ranch event here in Las Vegas, right next to the NFR Country Christmas. What? Um, tell us a little bit about our audience, about your background, what you do. We've met once before and did a did a deal on our Instagram live that's had a lot of engagement, but for our podcast listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I don't know how far back you want me to go and how much time we got, but you know, I was raised in southern Idaho. Um, I, I come from a a rodeo background, rodeo family, and um, you know, my dad, his name is Mickey Young, and he qualified for the national finals rodeo eleven times in the bareback riding, three times run up to a world champ. So he's He's, he's got a nice little resume there, also as a stock contractor, um, and he's the only guy ever to compete here at the National Finals Rodeo in Vegas, also be a, a stock contractor, and is also uh, one year was uh, a, a pickup man as well, so only man ever hey, to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got yeah. little sis in the back, yeah, little so sisters back we, there. We, we, got the, we got a little crowd here, but, yeah. you know, I, I mean, so just to kind of give you some perspective on, on how I was raised, but, you know, I we raised uh, buck and stock and, and lots of uh, buck and bulls and, and horses and, and things like that. And um, anyways, so it was just apparent that I knew what I was wanting to do when I grew up and I was wanting to be a rodeo cowboy, right? Yeah. So um, obviously went on to do that, rodeoed through junior rodeos, high school rodeos, and and on into the professional ranks, qualified for the national finals rodeo here, the Canadian national finals, and and competed at the highest level. But at some point, I knew it, it was probably going to come to an end. And and uh, as you get older, you start looking into different things. And and uh, you know, we have a family business, and we make a, a health product for horses and dogs. Okay. And it's an all natural herbal product. And so. Um, that had been around for 20 years or so. My dad had started that and he had started it on using it on his own livestock. You know, it really wasn't a business at the time, but when he started, you know, healing some things up, people started being like, well, what, what did you do there or here? And, and so he, he realized that nobody really knew about this product and what, it, what it would do. How did he come up with that? Just something. Yeah. So, so the, the background on that is, you know, my, my grandpa was, na- was raised with the Navajo Indians. Like he was oh, raised man. around Navajo Indians. Okay. So he's very knowledgeable. He's a range rider for the BLM. Um, and that's a whole nother story on the, I did, did I share this story no, on the, no, but we want to hear yeah, for know. next time. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's actually responsible for starting the wild horse and bureau, bureau program. My grandpa is. Oh, he, he did the first adoption ever. So, really? yeah, and I got a I got a picture, a newspaper clipping of of that horse and my dad or my grandpa on his saddle horse riding across the desert. So it's it's a pretty cool story. But you know, he was very knowledgeable about the things that grew on the land and what we could utilize 
right? And so that those teachings, but the other side of the spectrum was my grandma. My grandma had some major health issues, um, and she had visited the doctors multiple multiple times. They had done multiple surgeries, and you know, each time she was feeling worse and worse. And you know, uh, after one surgery, the doctors called her up and said, "Hey, you know, we got to do another surgery. We realized we left a tool inside of you." And she says, no, I'm not doing it no more. So what she started doing was reaching to naturopathic ways and trying to figure out how to do it naturally. Yeah. And so she come across uh, a gal that was was uh, very good at it. And so she got her on the right path, got her feeling good. And, and uh, then my grandma become a a student of the art and she become very good in her own right. And then had her own practice for many years and had people from all over the world come in and meet with her because the doctors had given up on her. So those teachings of my grandma and Mm -hmm. my grandpa was just injected into my dad and knowing because horses, dogs, people, all the organs inside of us work the same way. Mm -hmm. We might just be, you know, configured a little different. But it's those herbs all do the same thing. So, anyways, my dad started making a business out of it, and that's nice. how it how it grew from there. So, but, a lot of these are his own formulations. Yeah. So, so what we believe is is that variety is key. Yeah. You know, not only one, not any one herb or product is going to do the whole job. It's variety working together, collaboration, if you yep. will. Yeah. That does the whole job. Yeah. And cool. so, um, so that's. All of our products consist of, oh, you know, roughly around 10 different herbs mm-hmm. in each product that do the whole job. So awesome. Yeah. Very, very unique and specific blends. Cool. So, so you got the family business now. What's it called? Silver Lining Herbs. Okay. Yeah. And how long has that been around? Yeah, we've been, we've been around 24 years now. So I, I started running that probably four years ago and, uh, you know, when I when I was asked to, my parents were ready to step back and kind of, you know, they were they were not working in the business every single day, and I knew that the the potential was there to grow and scale this business. I just didn't really know how to do that, and and so I started searching for mentors of my own and figuring trying to figure out how do I grow and scale mm-hmm. this business, and and uh, I I landed on a guy by the name of Brandon Dawson, and and uh, it was very apparent when I met him. I was like, this guy knows his stuff, and you guys sat in the room today. Yep. He he does know his stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and uh, so I really wanted to draft behind him and learn everything and I did and and uh you know long story short I did all this stuff with them started growing my business scaling it I ended up buying the business a year ago and I ended up partnering with Brandon and I started telling him hey you know there's a group of people here that really need to know this stuff because these people need to win when you say group of people you're you're talking about I, rural America. I'm referring to rural America. Yeah. I'm referring to farm and ranch people, uh, Western world, cowboys. Mm-hmm. I mean, that group has, I, I mean, they're, they're the frontiers of this country. Yeah. They built they built the country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they should be celebrated constantly. And at some point in, I don't know which generation, but it was more like, for instance, for me, you talk to some people who they only are in the city, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe their grandma or their great-grandma, they, they're somewhere down the line. They spend a lot of time at the cabin. But majority of people really are in these city centers. And I grew up in southern Utah, so it's not a city. And we were always out in the dirt and out in the mountains and out in the hills and things like that. But it is a bigger city than like some rural area in the U.S. But people don't... You know, the the idea around rural America or making your own, doing your own medicine or making your own food or growing your own beef or milking your own cow, it's crazy that the mindset around that in like a, you know, sh- a quick response for a lot of people is like poor. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh, that's, that's the life you don't Uneducated. want. Like, aren't we yeah. all trying to work to a life that's better than that? Yeah. You know, that's full of technology. It's convenient. And everything, yeah. it's yeah. convenient. And it's like... Now you're seeing because people are really waking up that, oh my gosh, like that's what we want. Like that, that, and that's like the homestead movement that is growing at a rapid pace. 
But it's crazy that I, f- I mean, for me, if we're going to talk about conspiracies, I just feel like that was all instrumented. That was the point, you know, get people away from being self-sufficient, zero sovereignty, and we can control them and you control the food, you control the water, you can, and they, they can work for you. And now trying to get people to, to fall in love with how the country was built, what your grandparents said, what your great grandparents said, what, what mine did, yeah. you know, and what... <laughs> what AJ's did, that's what, I mean, we are distant relatives, but like that's what brought us together talking about really, we were just trying to fight for how can we create a better opportunity for people in our area, producers to have some consistent income, cut out some middlemen. And so they can actually finally thrive. They mm-hmm. can actually finally feel like I'm not worried about feeding my family or paying my bills and also enjoying the life that we, you know, that we, we love, but more people and they are waking up and they are realizing a lot yeah. of people are seeing the stories or hearing the stories or you know paying attention to what's happening but yeah. man i mean being in well, the rural area for me is like that's the prize yeah and i and i feel like you know the co- the whole covid thing was actually in my opinion a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because it made people kind of open up their eyes a little bit mm-hmm. you know that i think that like when they was going to the grocery stores and they see that there's nothing on the shelf and things are being <laughs> depleted and they're like, holy crap. I, I was at a, I was at an event. I'm like one of the only Cowboys that goes to a lot of these events. Like when they're in Scottsdale and mm-hmm. Miami, there's not a lot of us Cowboys rolling around there, but you know, people come and talk to me and they're like, they want to know my story and things like that. You know, I don't know how many women that I talk to that are like, I, I want my kids to know how to start a fire. I want my kids to know how to, wow. you know, <clears throat> hunt and actually like provide. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's a necessity that I would, that we were raised around. Mm-hmm. Like we know how to do that stuff. And if crap goes down, we, I'm very confident that I can go out and I can provide. Yeah. But most people are groomed these days to just go to the grocery store and get it. Consume. That's all, yeah. that's all people can do yeah. now is we just consume. Well, and I think if people understood the complexity of what operates their day-to-day lives when you live in a city and the people that the only source keeping those things moving are people that are closer tied to rural America than anything else. Whether it's a generational thing, whether it's immigrants that came from rural parts of the country that they're from, you know, where they had to make things work with bailing wire and duct tape. Literally, I, I remember being a kid. I was driving down the ranch road one like, day. Like, that just happened when we were up on the mountain. <laughs> we were cruising down the road and my uncle, uh, uh, an uncle, his bumper fell off. You know what he said? He goes, ah, oh, damn, my bailing wire broke. <laughs> it wasn't his bumper fell off. It was that what was holding his bumper up. But the point is, is like they keep things moving no yeah. matter what because that, there's no other choice. And so, you know, as we get further away from that, we start seeing some breakdowns in, in our society and, and even in our culture because I think there's a big thing. There's a lot to be said for, and it's, it's no secret a lot of people are doing research that live in the cities that say, man, if you're not connected with the dirt, you're not touching the soil, you're not getting any sort of nature uh, uh, grounding. There's a book called The Three-Day Effect, and they took people that had a lot of trauma. So it was former sex workers and former combat veterans. Two separate trips, mind you. But they took them. <laughs> <laughs> not at the same time. Not at the same time. They took them on this, this three-day river, tour, river rafting tour. But what they did is they hooked their brains up to a uh, like a net that measured brain activity before they left, and then they did it throughout. And the book is, if you do the audio book, it's great because it's almost they you get to hear them while they're like next to the river, like you can tell that's how it was written. They found a significant transformation in the brain when they spent three days in nature. It was like a seven day deal, and they saw at three days all of a sudden something in the brain just switched. And it, it helped significantly in addressing trauma for these groups of people because the hypothalamus or whatever portion of the brain that regulates hormones and mood, it tr- tr- completely transformed this. They call it a three-day effect, and it was all about nature. Well, I don't know if you guys are you're probably aware, but higher suicide rates above combat veterans is uh, rural America producers. Farmers and ranchers have a higher suicide rate than combat veterans. And I think it's because they, you know, if you watch the movie Yellowstone, right, what's Mm -hmm. the biggest threat for that ranch? 
to lose it. Losing your land. Because you're the generation that lost it, right? Yeah. And so that is such a huge impact on these guys that their suicide rate is much higher because of the, the, the financial challenges, which is unique because this is what we came here to Vegas for with the 10X Farm and Rats because what you guys are offering is, listen, we already know you have the work ethic. Like that, that's not even a question. If you yeah. had some of the knowledge and the tools in place to be financially secure or collaborate with, you know, it's like this. How many producers actually need to own their own trailer scale? If you're in a region, probably just one in the region if you collaborated. Yeah. So everybody's leveraging themselves because I've got a scale, you've got a scale, you've got a scale. I use it once every so often when I'm taking calves to market, but yet I went and leveraged my, because there's a lack of collaboration. I used to say this joke that sometimes gets me in trouble, but you get three producers in a room and the only thing two are going to agree on is how the third one doesn't know what the hell he's doing. (laughs) And and all that means is I'm just speaking to this, this disconnect, right? So it was great to be in that room today and hear from you, from Brandon, that the primary focus on what 10 X farm and ranch is about is collaboration. Because you can't fight the system that exists with the dollars that they have because they've had 40, you know, 1980s when they changed the rules. They've had that much time to become the superpower. The only way things shift for the better is collaboration. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the people inside this industry shouldn't struggle. There's so much, there's so much money and financial means out there to be had that like you shouldn't have to struggle and the people that are actually feeding this country they're providing for this country i don't want them to struggle so the reason why why it's in a declining state in my opinion is because they're doing things the way that they've always done them Mm -hmm. and if if something's not working and and you're declining you got to change something yeah i mean like you got to you got to look outside the box and you got to you got to do something different than you've ever done before to get where you're going. Yeah, exactly. You know. And so what I'm saying by that is like we're a word we're a world of technology. Like there's so many things available to us to streamline things. Like why would you not take advantage of that? Mm-hmm. Right? And I get it. Like you might be from a legacy ranch or this or that, and your great grandfather and your grandfather and your dad and everybody did it the same way. But when, and that's fine if you're if you're scaling up. Yeah. But if you're declining year over year, now we got to look into what's causing that that decline. Yeah. Right. And dive into that. But you know, that's what we teach. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a proven fact that that. All the successful farms and ranches that are out there, they run their farms and ranches like big businesses. Mm. They have systems. They have processes. They have data collection. Their finances are in order. Their books are tight as hell. Yeah. Right? It's the 10 things that Brandon talked about. Yeah. When I saw that slide, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. And when the program is set up to where, okay, maybe you've got marketing down. Maybe you got a crap ton of followers. So you got the marketing down. You got the message. Yep. But- there's there's issues in that. Like, and, you know, there exactly. was someone in the talk in the speech today who was talking about um, kind of calling out marketing used to be radio, magazines, newspaper, mm-hmm. and now it's not social media. Well, it's just not that simple. But nothing is that simple. When you talk about social media, how at the rate that we have new platforms popping up, it's ridiculous. By the time you feel like you got a handle on what you're supposed to do, they change the algorithm. You know, and that's why I think. And I was talking to some uh, that woman who I was talking to who has the uh, senior living homes, mm-hmm. being able to just share your story, like if you can get that out there and being as, as authentic as possible, especially right now, if you're in sort of a ranching or you're in the agriculture space, a lot of people that have no idea how to do it or what it is or all the pieces that go into it, they're interested by it mm-hmm. because of things that are going on, you know? So being able to share your story but not try and just capitalize on like boosting an ad on Instagram or, you know, making sure you post your things on Instagram. Because if we're talking about just Instagram, based on the number of people that follow you, that see a post when you post it, depending on the number of people that look at it, 
Instagram will decide how many more people of your followers they'll even show it to. And if they yeah. like your message. You know, so it's just, there are a lot of things that, and for me, I had to, because it can become so stressful when you're really just trying to do your best. You're trying to do better, mm-hmm. improve. Um, I had to just let go of it. You know, it's like, I don't care, honestly, about all the algorithms. I don't have the time to try and know what they're doing next or what new loophole you're going to have to figure out in order to make it work or be successful by using it. But I do think that anyone who's producing that's trying to get going if you just lean into authenticity and lean into sharing a very cut and dry, honest story about mm-hmm. what you've experienced, what you do experience, what your family experienced, what it's like, what your life is there, why you love it. I mean, people come in because the story, they, they, you got to get yeah. them with their heartstrings and it's not by making some bullshit up. It's by just being honest. And, you yeah. know, when you start having followers, you start have a, a, your business getting built. There's these like secret, like, silent rules that people have like all of a sudden start abiding by because you're trying to keep so many people happy. Yeah. Don't try and keep so many people happy. Yeah. You can never make everyone happy, you know, be true to yourself. And in this movement, it is so important. I mean, there are people that are not in the ag space that are also that we get messages and emails all the time. Like they are wanting us to be as successful as possible. They want to keep you in business. Like, cause yeah. people do know the importance mm-hmm. of our small, you know, producers. And that's why too, like 10 X is so great. And I was so pleasantly surprised by the whole, you know, all the information and how they, you know, gave it. Cause I didn't really know, you we know, was, skeptics. I was skeptic yeah. because I, I mean, i I follow Grant Cardone and yeah. there's things that I really love listening to him talk about, but I also have an idea in the back of my mind, you know, that, that voice that's saying, okay, you yeah. know, money's money's a, it's the devil though, you yeah. know, and people start getting in the business of margins and, you know, increasing revenue and you don't even realize it that you are all of a sudden just worshiping the dollar and you're forgetting why you did it. And you're forgetting yeah. all the people that need you to be successful, you know, and that's why I was like, I'm yeah. just going to hear what I just, I'm, I'm going, I'm excited to hear what they have to say. And I remember sitting in the back and I was thinking like, okay, yeah. like this feels promising you know, well, for the whole mission of what everyone's that, trying to and that's why it's keep so, going. That's why it's so important. You know, I talked about the mission, the vision, and the values. That's why it's so important to hone in on those things. Because if you know, you know, the mission that you're on, the vision of where you're going, yep. and then also your core values as a company, as a person, like we hire on fire by our core values inside of our company. Mm. Like it, decisions aren't hard because I got these six core values and we live by them, right? So anything that you do when you when you go in that direction it's easy to make those decisions now to that point you know like this is something that i hear grant say all the time and i've had the the opportunity to get closer and closer to grant through the collaboration and stuff but one thing that sticks out to me that he says is he says you can use you know he says he says people all the time are saying you're so money hungry you're all about the money and this and that and he says he says listen he says he says, you can use money for good or you can use money for bad, but you can deny it all you want, but money makes the world go round. You have and, to have it. And well, if we're going to do anything big, you got to make more of it. Yeah, look what World Economic Forum is funded yeah. by Klaus Schwab. Why? Because he's got billions of dollars. Lots of money. Yeah. If we're going to play in the same arena, we better have some people that have values conservative values mm-hmm. stand up and make some damn money so we can fight in the same battlefield. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the messages that we had today is that collaboration is the new currency, you know? And if you got like, you know, this business over here doing a million dollars, this one might be yeah. 500,000. This one might be doing 5 million, 15 million, whatever. Singular. They're not a lot, but if you put 200 of them together, now we're talking about billions of dollars. Yeah. We got a bigger voice. You're also talking about literally a parallel marketplace. Yep. Right? At, at some point, you just snap the fingers and be like, oh, well, <clears throat> there's that marketplace, and then here's this marketplace, and all of these businesses align with the same values. Choose. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. That's yeah. cool. And I like, I was talking to Brandon afterwards, and he's like, yeah, the program is necessary, so we speak the, he didn't say this, but essentially what I took away from that conversation was, and he's like, yeah, go through the program, go through the 360 program. I'm like, okay, well, there's an order of operations for me, but I'm like, but I told him, I was like, I get it. Why would you want to be partners with people who don't speak the same language? Exactly. So you go through 360, and now all of a sudden you can have, we could be sitting here having a conversation that 
only people who had finished that program. I have a friend that built um, a company called Renters Warehouse, uh-huh. largest single family property management company in the nation. Sold it when he was 28 for a pretty penny. And he said the only reason that it was worth what it was worth or got the valuation that it received was because of the systems and processes that he had in place. That was the only reason yep. because that buyer knew, just like Brandon said today, you bring that you elevate the revenue, you stall all you start collaborating. Now all of a sudden you've elevated the value of that. That is what was happening for him. He put systems in place that now these investors knew if we take it over, it's already functioning. They all mm-hmm. understand every office around the nation knows financials, they know market like there's yep. a plan, there's core values, just like you're saying. Makes sense. And it and if you don't have those systems and processes in place, they can almost beat you down even more because you don't know what they're talking to. You don't know that they're what their language is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you haven't implemented any of that stuff. But if they're extremely tight and they're even more so than they expected, then you got a bigger voice to negotiate on that. Yeah. So that's that's what we're talking about, about the EBITDA multiple that you will get when you exit your business. Yeah. So Makes sense. I think the one thing there is to overcome is the – in the ag space – like I grew up going to family meetings, whereas the BLM is doing this law, they're removing these water rights, they're taking away these grazing, you know, they reduce, it was take, 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 take. So yeah. you grow up in a scarcity mentality. They ruin your day every day. Yeah. And so then you <laughs> still a, living through it. Right. Don't get us started on the, uh, I mean, they're, you know, the water rights in Utah dude, right now. Yeah. They're doing that right now. There's another ma- monument trying to be, is being put into place reducing or, or threatening to reduce the amount of grazing ground. So did you guys visit with the Bundys today? Yeah, that's my cousin. Yeah, yeah. he's a Bundy. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. so so Arden's... Yep, uh, Arden your, is... Uh, your cousin. Yeah, my second cousin. Yeah, that's I right. I haven't met him. I've, There's 1,100 of us. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got asked today. But you, you guys know? had a conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. I walked yeah. up and I'm like, hey, and he goes... You got some hues in you. <laughs> he yeah. goes, I can tell you're a handsome man. And I was like, oh, you know you're kind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff, right? And this, yeah. so I grew up in that family. When you understand uh, epigenetics, meaning the environment that you're in, it affects your brain, thought, your thought processes, how you see the world and so forth. So in the producer world, because there's this, which is so crazy that the people providing the food and sustenance for this nation mm-hmm. are the ones dealing with this more than probably any other industry, right? So you grow up with that, and then you hear something that is there to help you. And your brain does not hear that. It yeah. hears, what's in it for them? What are they going to oh, take exactly. from me? Yeah. How, what do I have to give up? How do I... So you're here, you're like, collaboration, come on, we've got a solution. And then all that's being heard, if it's not delivered very tactically, tactically is what do they want from me? Yeah. Because uh, here we go again, you know. Yeah. Well, when you've, when you've, when that's all you have experienced for a long time and probably at awful times, right? Like when you really need things to go good for you, you automatically are trying to control those pit, like control those situations well before they happen because you've experienced them before. Yeah. I mean, I, a conversation with my dad, anytime I'm trying to like think of a new way to implement something different on our property and on the land and, or, you know, talking about water or all the things, his natural response is always to almost like not shut me up, but like ask a question that like I wouldn't know the answer to, you know, something to where it's like only experience would know how to handle it. And then usually now a little bit of time goes by and then he comes up and he's he's got an idea. We talk about it. Yeah. But it's it's this very and he's gotten a lot better just being able to I mean, we're talking about implementing things that he never would have done. Awesome. Right. Yeah. But those first conversations of like ways we can look of like looking into a more regenerative protocol, but something that is very entry level, something that we can start initiating and practicing that is not going to disrupt what is already happening. Cause if you know, if you have someone who is fighting for like, you have to be regen. And you got a guy who's like, well, I'm not, and this is the way I've always done it. Well, that conversation's never going to get anywhere. Yeah. You know, and not only that, but when you have producers that maybe they are living, maybe not paycheck to paycheck, but you've got equipment goes, goes down. You got bills, you got kids to feed, you got school to pay for Mm -hmm. all the things. I always imagine like they probably, I assume would be interested in like, how can I work better with the land? But when you try to think about, 
what do I have? What's it going to take? You know, going from not ranching or farming in a regenerative protocol, that transition, it's not an overnight thing. It's, it's takes time and takes years of doing it and takes a lot of work. And so that's something that me and AJ talk about. And I always like remind him too, we're talking about, you know, direct consumer and regenerative versus not and finishing this way or finishing that way. I'm like, listen, at this point in time, because you have people and I hear the conversations about regenerative where they're like regenerative only and everything else is shit. We, what we need and what I think about is we just need to keep our producers. Yeah. Like don't, I'm not worried about any of the other stuff. Like first and foremost, let's get our producers making consistent income. Let's keep them in business and let's start like what you're working on, Josie, is how can we help them implement protocol, uh, implement systems mm-hmm. to help them be successful long-term, you know? And I hope, and if anyone's listening to this, that's very, very gung-ho regenerative, because I am. I, I'm, I love learning about it. We're always talking about it, and I'm working on implementing things that are regenerative protocols at our ranch. But you have to be willing, you know, for an industry, and as old as it is, that built built the country be a little bit more careful in those conversations. If you have a, an uncle or a grandpa or a friend or someone who you think that they should change their practices, you know, man, it is a terrible feeling to all of a sudden feel like everything you've known, everything you've done is wrong. And you got people telling you you're doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about that with, because I really love speaking to And I love, I get along with old people really well, (laughs) always have. And my grandpa was like an ornery old turd and he was my favorite. But there has to be a better way to approach those conversations. And I actually was interested in the, in the talk today of, you know, because there were some questions about, there was the discussion about like, I've always done it this way. And Mm -hmm. that's like the word you don't want to hear. And I thought it, everything, the whole conversation and like some hard truths that were given too were received so well. Yeah. And I've also experienced times where it's like not received and then we get nowhere, you know. Yeah, I've watched a lot of those conversations go down uh, with Brandon. And, and I was talking about this with my sister earlier. Is like it's so cool to have those like point blank conversations with with people, you know, because, you know, people in the small mid sized business space, the farmers and ranchers, stuff like that. It's like <clears throat> they're in the room for a reason. Like they're struggling at some point some point and they're looking for answers but you can't be you can't be putting limitations on yourself right off the bat you got to be open-minded and you got to be willing to do something different you know and and brandon is a master at having those conversations with people having tough conversations and it's and it's really difficult it's really difficult as business owners to have the courage to do something different. That's like the hardest move. Well, it's terrifying and, too. If like everything's yeah, riding on what you do, it's the unknown. Right. But I think when you have those conversations with that older generation, it's like, it, it needs to start up, you know, like one thing that I think about is, you know, if you're telling, you're pushing, if you're asking, you're pulling, right. You want to pull people to the target, right. You don't want to like be telling yeah. you got to do this got to do that because you're pushing people away when you do that yeah that's cool so that's a really that's great a good way to saying yeah. yeah yeah so you want to you want to pull people in but how do you do that so you ask them the question hey you know whether it's the older generation or not say hey what are your goals like where do you see you where do you see you in 10 years from now like ultimately if if you could have it anyway like what would you like to see happen and let them answer it mm-hmm. right and that's how that conversation needs to go like being interested, be interested, not interesting, right? When you're being interesting, you're talking too much. Mm-hmm. You're telling, telling too much about yourself. Mm-hmm. Be interested. What is it that you want? Where do you see it going? How do, you, how do you see yourself getting there? Ask those questions, and then you can navigate that conversation a lot better. And Brandon is a master at that. Yeah, he's got practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Cause, oh, where uh, are we going? Are we going into high gear or low gear? I mean, well, you, are, gear you, pro- do, you got your high gear hat on, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where are high, we going? High gear probably because I just, before we got started, Josie showed me this kick-ass video. So, Josie, how, how old are you? I just turned 41. 41, okay. Yeah. Josie rodeoed the other day because his kid, his 12-year-old kid <laughs> said he didn't still have it. He said I'm too old. He said he's too I said, old. Little punk. Yeah. I'll show you. So I'm bringing this up because I want to play this clip while we're talking about yeah. it, so people can see it, dude. How'd it turn out? Your boy calls you out. 
You yeah. said, okay, you answered his call. Yeah, you know, my boy, he's been riding junior bulls and, and steers and stuff and, and roping a little bit. My daughter bro races. And, and, you know, I've played the game, and I've played it at the highest level. And so I know the preparation that it takes to go do it yeah. and be the best. And as a parent, you want your kids to be the best if they're mm-hmm. going to do it. You want mm-hmm. them to do as good as they can. So I he was struggling, and he was kind of fighting his head, and I had a conversation about leaving stuff on the table. I says, you're leaving things on the table. And he says, what do you mean? And I says, I says, well, I says, your old dad's out here in the gym working out every day, and I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I'm just working out because I want to somewhat fit. stay in some, some yep. sort of shape. Yep. And I says, you're getting ready to go to rodeos, and, and while I'm working out, you're sitting on the couch. So, yeah. like, tell me that. I said core balance, core and balance and all this stuff, that's a huge deal in this in this sport. And I says, you need to be working at it. He's like, oh, it's different these days, Dad. I was like, what do you mean these days? I've been done for seven years. It's not like, like I'm I've been ancient. around for these days, those days, yeah. Yeah. last days. Now I sound like this guy. Well, back in my day, yeah. <laughs> you know. I was like, I used to hate that shit when my dad would be uh-huh. whack when I was a kid. I was yeah. like, oh my God. You're like, don't say it. Oh, yeah. shit, I'm going to say yeah. it. <laughs> so here I am yeah. saying it. So anyways, I told him, I says, you know what? I said, I'll tell you what. I says, uh, I says, how about we spend this next month and you work out right alongside of me? And I said, I'll get ready and we'll, I said, I'll enter, I'll enter a rodeo. And Jackson Hole, Wyoming has their has their weekly rodeo all summer long. It's an open rodeo, but they also have the Junior Bulls is right after the bareback riding. So I rode bareback horses, and I was like, that would be cool to enter that rodeo, get ready, show him how it's done, what the preparation takes to get ready to go and do something like that, and then also me and him would be shopped up together, getting ready together, and mm-hmm. it'd just be kind of a cool deal. So I spent a month, I got ready, and. Uh, yeah, I went inner Jackson Hole with him, and uh, first horse back. Um, they heard that I was coming. That the wind kind of got back to the uh-huh. rodeo producer up there, and they were super excited that I was entering. So they had a special horse for me. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, um, and it was a horse they had never bucked before. So I was like, "Oh, great, here we go." But uh, it was a horse I just bought from Birch's Birch Rodeo Company, and it was a colt out of Lunatic Fringe, which is a world champion saddle bronc horse that okay. was around when I was rodeoing and. Horse was outstanding, and and uh, I was eighty six points and win the rodeo, and yeah. I come back behind the buck and shoots and looked at my boy and I said, "What do you think about that?" Yeah, oh, that's, that's so, so awesome. awesome. Yeah, so to enter and win. Yeah, yeah. How's his training regiment now? <laughs> you know, that night, like you could just see a a, a switch go off yeah. in him and my daughter both. You demonstrated. So, yeah, yeah, I demonstrated, great. and uh, it was really really cool because it. It, it really showed him what it takes and it was it was special to me as a dad that I could you know have him by my side I made sure he was helping me get on he was helping pull my rig in and he was standing right beside me and like I literally run my hand in my rig in cracked my hand back and I looked at him and I said you ready to watch this <laughs> and so awesome. and he's like yeah and you know but there's this level of intensity yeah. that comes across your face yeah. when when you nod your head you know and and he's seen that he's seen that that fire Dad shift. Ooh, nice. you know, cause he'd never and seen that. I'll bet. No, you'd never strapped because it. there's, I've, I've known it. I mean, I've been around it for a long, long time yep. and I've, I've demonstrated on many levels, but when I'm helping him get on, you know, I'm like, get aggressive. And I don't really think he really knew what that meant. Mm. Like to get aggressive. Mm-hmm. He does now. He does now. <laughs> it, you know, it would be hard to describe that to somebody that hasn't yeah. experienced it or seen it. Yeah. 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 So, so to, to demonstrate that and show him what it, what it really, really takes to do that is just, it was pretty, pretty special for me. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so awesome. And I wish that I could experience that with my dad too, man. I'm just, I'm a huge daddy's girl. Yeah. And, uh, my parents both tough. My mother's a tough cookie and fantastic woman. Yeah. And, uh, at a young age, you learned real quick, like you rub dirt in it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a long ways from your heart. Quit crying. You're fine. Toughen up. Yeah, we we had this exact conversation yesterday because we were talking. If you can get a balance of rub some dirt on it and get going, and then the emotional intelligence to have a conversation that connects the dots later, dude, you're setting a kid up for major yeah. success, right? Because you can you can be the parent that beats him down, and you're going to make a tough kid, but you're going to make a kid that's going to go through some shit when he has to learn how to 
communicate when that kid gets married and then, yeah, you know, but if you can give them that rub some dirt on it, stop crying yeah, and then complete the whole experience for them with some emotional, intelligent conversation yeah. later, which what better way to do it than you showing them. Like, exactly. It's like, you're not yeah. just, you know, every, every kid's like, Oh, my parents told me to do it this way. But when you're a kid, like you do think that all of a sudden, like you're newer to the world, but I'm younger. So I know way more. And I was having this conversation with my nephews and my nieces. I was like, listen to me, all right? You don't know more than your parents. And I'm just, and I'm like, and listen, I'm just the aunt. So I'm, this is not selfish. I'm not doing this selfishly. I'm more so really trying to let you know that when I was young, you know, the same thing was said to me, like, you'll grow up and you'll learn. And then I did. And then I grew up and I was like, holy shit, mom, I'm so sorry. I was an asshole. And I should have listened to you. And dad, you're right. Nothing good does happen after midnight. And (laughs) I heard that all the time. Uh, Jesus goes back. At midnight. So I'm talking to my nieces and I'm like, I'm letting you know, just, just hear me out. I'm not your mom. I'm the aunt. One, you yeah. can always call me. You need anything. Two, when your mom says something, she actually does know and it is in your best interest just to listen. Yeah. But so cool for him to get to watch you do that and, and lean into like yeah. emotionally and mentally what it takes to perform and ride a bucking horse. Yeah, Man, I, I want to ride a bucking horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, they he ended up winning the rodeo that night with oh, with man. me, and he had he had gone on a dry streak for like a month straight where he couldn't ride anything. Like I'm like he's falling off of stuff that he shouldn't be, and I'm like, what is going on here? And so to see him come out and see that on my face and see how it's done and then come out and win the rodeo that night. He comes back the next night, wins the rodeo again and just got on a freaking hot streak. And that's just all it took was like, this is, this is leading by example. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is what we teach in business is like, you don't have to go through the bumps and bruises of trying to figure it out on your own, like draft behind somebody who knows how to do it has been there, has already went through the bumps and bruises himself. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's because you're drafting behind somebody, but the road's a lot smoother. So, if there's anything to take out of that. Yeah. What, um, so, with uh, with a lot of people listening to the show, they're here because they're interested in learning more about what is being done to mm-hmm. help set up food security, right? These are families across the nation that are worried about our food supply chain. They're worried about what's in the food that's coming their way. What's your opinion, uh, just your perspective personal on, you know, what what's happening with our food supply chain as it is and how what people can do to kind of make, uh, to secure that for themselves. I know this isn't kind of your exact focus but Mm. you are in the production world you know producers and that's a big part of why you're doing what you're doing so yeah tell these guys i mean you know like first and foremost is you know figure out who it is in your circles that you can gain some more knowledge from if you're not knowledgeable about it do some research on your own don't just listen to what you hear on the news or or whatever you know i mean because you can't trust that as far as you can throw it yeah you know but like there's so many people like, for instance, like I, I said this today, you know, like I'm the only cowboy heart, you know, everywhere I go in Miami and Scottsdale, <laughs> yeah. you know, but there's so many people. I mean, we got 15 million people in our 10X network and there's a, it's a bunch of business owners and entrepreneurs that, you know, they care about where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, when I stand up there and talk to them and, you know, tell them the stuff that's going on in our industry, their eyes are like wide open and they're like, so this is what we're talking about, about promoting what's going on. You also need to promote to the people of what the bad stuff that's going on so that they can be aware of it. Right. So they can start doing their research Mm -hmm. on it. But you know, I like, you know, there's so many people out there that are moving in the direction of, you know, knowing where their food is coming from and wanting to move in that direction. It's like, you know, like yourself and the, and the app, you know, trying to link up the consumer and the, and the producer, right. Mm-hmm. Like being the puzzle maker. Right. Yeah. So like, you just like, I, I just can't stress enough to people like do your own research and really try to figure out where your, your, your food is coming from. 
So I, I mean, I don't know. There's there's so much there's so much happening right now. But I can tell you this: there's not a shortage of beef right now. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of people out there. As as a producer side, those people need to re- reach outside the box, not depend on the market because I don't think you have to depend on the market. I think there's so many other avenues and stream, uh, revenue sources that you can pull from yeah. as a producer to um, make up for the loss, if you will. Okay. You don't have to be beat down. So, um, for instance, like in our room today, like the, you got the, the, uh, the, uh, land conservation guys, yep. mm-hmm. that's an option. You know, these are short-term land your conservation. Last option. That is your last <laughs> option. But okay. Just, just like, let that be the last one. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying like, there's, there's, there's ways out there and, and those guys are are different. There's always something. What do they do? What do they do? So, so yeah. those guys are different than your, than typical, your, Typical conservation, conservation easements these are or whatever. Short, these are short term and they're private. Oh, okay. They're not owned. Never by, mind. They're not <laughs> Never owned. mind. What do they, so what do they do? I'm curious. Yeah. I, so long story short, um, what they do is like so. For and and I think this is a great avenue. I we're we're going. My team's going to dive into it a little deeper mm-hmm. and do some research on it. Yeah. Yeah. I've just met these guys. I met them over the phone about three weeks ago and they showed up to the event today. Mm-hmm. So, but it sounds like a good deal. Yeah. And it, it, this could really help some leg, legacy ranches. Okay. Um, but long story short is what they do is they have short term conservation programs. So like 10, 15 year programs, most conservation programs are like lifetime so if you put that under a conservation easement, yeah. like you ain't doing nothing with right. that, right? These guys, you just can't build on this conservation easement, right? It takes 18 months to come in there and do their data collection on, on the land. The you know, ecosystem what, and what it, yeah. what the ecosystem okay. looks like, what grows there, mm-hmm. what, you know, what the mineral is, yeah. what everything. Yeah. Okay. Once they do that, then they can, you can sell those shares. Those shares, one acre equals one share. Okay. Okay. Those shares are roughly going for around $10,000 a share. So, you know, you put 5,000 acres under a conservation bank on a 10 year or 15 year term, you're talking about, you know, 15, 20, $30 million you're going to make off of that deal. Yeah. So this could really pull a, a, a ranch that's struggling out of a hole. Is there any, I mean, you may not know this. Yeah. This I is may my, not. clearly this is my big fear, <laughs> yeah. everyone. All right. This is what I think about because I am hypersensitive to people that have generational land mm-hmm. or ranches and like the younger generation comes in and they're like, I don't like ranching. And they're like, you know what? Let's develop all this land. And then no one in the family will ever have it ever again. That stresses me out because in Southern Utah, there are, I mean, yeah, there are, are, Settling, settling families doing no it. So this is yeah. this is why it's so important, and this is one of my points: is that the peop, the the farmers and ranchers need to show how to be successful, so the younger generation yes. wants to do it. Right. So the younger generation doesn't go do exactly. that exactly because they're they're right now as a whole they're seeing. Uh, declining revenues they're seeing struggling they're seeing suicide they're seeing all this Mm -hmm. stuff and they're like screw this i don't want to have any part of this i can sell this for millions and millions (laughs) of dollars and not have to do that anymore so that's so in my mind i'm like they shouldn't have to do this there's a way to do this you need to run your damn operation like a business and let's start freaking making some some money do you know if with like the conservation option which sounds like a great option especially if like you were talking about yeah. generational and things like that and especially since it's what like would you say 10 months 15 months 18 or whatever. months 18 yeah. months fantastic is there anything in there that if you know the clause where if something were to happen and it was within these 18 months and the government was like we gotta seize this land and and do this on it is there any protection against stuff like that? You know, I wouldn't be able to I know that sounded that. really um, educated and like I understood <laughs> what I was saying. I'm really sorry, but you guys get what I'm talking about. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to educate, you know, educate? answer, that, yeah. answer yeah. that, you know, on an educated manner. But, you know, like I know they were talking about today, like uh, um, they put in a certain, I don't know what part of the country it was, somewhere in Wyoming, Montana or Oregon or I don't know, somewhere up here. They 
are trying to put the Wolverine back on the endangered species list. I heard yes. that. I did just hear that. I heard that. Yeah. List, and, you know, they're wanting to see where this Wolverine's going and tracking. And basically what they're trying to do is it's a land grab for the yep. government. Oh, 100%. I was like, exactly. so, oh, so do we need Wolverine? So so this is exactly – so these guys are against that. Okay, they're like, So their, their, their mindset is, like, to help – the land help the ranchers they're on the, so the side of the they're land they're on our right. side that's fantastic. and so so that that's why i i'm intrigued by yeah. it interesting you cool. know but also you know it's it's a great way to pull these guys out of a huge freaking hole yeah. i mean right. what i'm thinking is just hearing that tells me that it's it makes me feel really good to know the right people are getting yeah. into those industries where they can keep having quality control or the mm-hmm. things that do, you know, keep pushing for the mission or what is the most important versus yeah. letting, you know, if they get too big or people get mon- money hungry and forget why they did what they did or why they're doing what they're doing. So that's great. Yeah. And, and, and all those guys are all ex, you know, farm and ranch families too. So that cool. their, their mission is to, to help the cause. Awesome. Well, that's they get great. It. Yeah, yeah. So man, that's awesome. It's good to have them. Well, seeking seeking all of these alternative ways to bring in revenue is important. Like a lot of people are doing um, eco tourism, um, wedding venues. Yeah, wedding. I mean, one. just but great. I mean, awesome. Share the share the experience of the resource that you're entrusted with. Yeah. Bringing people on to experience mm-hmm. it. Some people are turning that into a, a money making business potentially with selling their own beef direct to consumer because now they've made those connections, you know, yeah. all of those different things. So well, and you're seeing a lot of like restaurants or grocery stores that are even they want to get rid of where they're ordering their their beef from or ordering their, their meat yeah. from and get it from someone local or get it from, you know, a processing processing facility. Um Smash Burger, am I getting this right? The Smash Burger that they went yeah. all yeah, and they're doing like beef tallow. They got rid of all the, you know, um bad seed oils and they're doing it's just, it feels yeah. really promising. It makes me feel really good to see that there are companies and people that are like, I'm going to take the gamble and I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to play my hand and do and my best, see what I can do to help the situation. Yeah. And, and, and reach outside of your, your current network that you're in. Like, if you don't have, like, you got to see what else is out there. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to pre-sell some stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. how cool would it be if you could have all next year's revenue gathered up you know, seven, six, seven, eight months ahead of time, it's already on the books, already pre-sold, done. It's yeah. like, man, make that the goal. Yeah. So that when that time comes around, you don't have to struggle financially, yeah. right? There's so many ways, but this is this is part of thinking outside the box. You know, I mean, I was sitting in front of a crowd the other day. There's probably 300 people, and I was telling my story and what we're doing. I was telling them about, you know, how toxic the, the, the meat can be. Like you got to know where, where it's coming from and talked about the big four a little bit mm-hmm. and you know, how they're dictators and all yeah. of this crap. Right. Yeah. So their eyes were yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, holy shit, is this yeah. real? So this I is said, happening? yeah. And you know, these people are, are successful business people. And I said, I said, out of curiosity, who in here would pay $20,000 and you buy one cow, and you get to come out to the ranch and have a retreat and see what we do once or twice a year. And it'll feed you a whole year. The whole freaking crowd just Dude. shot their hands up. I'm like, how would you like to sell cows for $20,000 Seriously. Crack? You know? There's not a freaking shortage of money out here. No. It's just that people are stuck in their own old ways. Like, yep. get out of them. Like, let's go. Get out of your mind. That That's one of the things that I've... So, you know, I, I'm the city slicker cousin of five generations, did all the brandings, did all the cattle yep. drives, didn't inherit the ranch. That was the difference. So I spent 12 years in Phoenix, Arizona, and I grew up being, hated being this. I wanted to get pulled out of school and go do the chores. Like, Dude, I, I would pissed. too. I know. I remember, I, I remember <laughs> I hated it. I hated it when my grandma or my aunts would be like, all right, all the girls, we're going to go inside and clean. And I would be like. No, (laughs) I literally would, I was the only girl and I'd go out with my dad and I'm like, first of all, you don't tell me I'd have to clean. I'm trying to go out there and dig a hole. I'm trying to dig those anchors up, right? I'm trying to be with my dad. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so they, so, uh, but to what you were saying, my point is, so I grew up with that, but I understood the language. I understood what the challenge was. I, I, I was in those family meetings and I got to go out and do those kinds of things. So I had one foot in this side and then, Moved to Phoenix for 12 years, and mm-hmm. now I have one foot in this side. 
And there's a disconnect between communicate. It's just communication between urban and rural. Yeah, that's what's missing. So, you know, if if people learn how to speak that language of their customer, like you don't have to be right. Do you want to? I always try to remind myself: Do I want to be right or do I want to be successful? Yeah, because one of them is a much better position to be in. And all that means is I'm going to put my ego aside and I'm going to say, you know what? What, how, what do I need to say so that they hear me? Because that's who I'm trying to reach out to. So if I have to say that I've got, uh, if, I, if I stake my flag in the ground and I say I've got a 1,500-pound finished steer that's been on corn for 180 days, I lost every single buyer that wants to buy from me because they don't know what a 1,500-pound finished steer even means. Yeah. If I said, I have a cow that's ready to be eaten, and it's good. <laughs> <laughs> See, <laughs> See how silly that sounds? I have a cow. I have a cow. It's ready to be used. You can cook it up. But that's starting narrows on a chalkboard yeah. to a guy who takes pride in his steer that he's cold. Uh, not cold, but he's separated from the herd. And yeah. he's thin, cause, because you're... A, it's your, it's your life. It's, it's your, your lifestyle. Life. Yeah. You love it. You you go through the process and people just yes. don't get it. And dumbing it down, like that's a conversation we yes. had where it's like, we have to assume. I mean, we already have to assume. People are so dumb. Yes. You know, why Why do the app, it's like, well, there there are platforms out there that can connect, can, you know, connect you to producers. You can, you can Google it. Yeah. But people need it to be, we need it to be simpler. Yeah. And it's like, we're not doing it to coddle. Right. We want to make it as simple as possible because the mission is so important. Yes. It's like, listen, you're going to purchase it right there in the app. You don't got to go anywhere. Well, you click, don't got to call. Click, click. You don't got to email. It's service. People pay more for service exactly. than actual product. Exactly. It's a proven fact. And when pe- when you simplify things and, you know, we're a, a world of moving fast these days. Like you can do things too easy, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's like if it's if it's any any complicated at all mm-hmm. like people are just going to check out yeah. and so you know and and back to your your communicating part this brings me to something else that that i say a lot communication isn't what you say it's what they hear right and so yep. you know like exactly formulating that message yeah well for the producers listening consider where the training that you have came from not just and i don't mean your dad where did he learn it from? It was, they were trained in many cases by the big four who developed the industry they're selling into. So that's why I say you might be proud that you're selling a 1,500 pound finished weight steer, but the reason it has all of those uh, terms mm-hmm. is because the industry created those terms. I'm saying if you want to go direct to the consumer, speak their terms. Yeet, I got beef. <laughs> yeet, yeet. Uh, whatever that is. But what are the kids you know, saying these yeah. days? Look at, oh my god, look at Brooks. Look at Dale Brisby. Dude, I love Dale Brisby. Yeah. Dale Brisby's built a huge audience because he's made it entertaining and easy. He's to literally been himself, and that's yeah. where we come down. Bringing it full that. circle, yeah. authenticity. But what else has he done? Yeah, he's promoted. Yep. Yes, promote the shit out. He's of learned his. to do things mm-hmm. differently. I I was tell I was walking through the trade show today, uh-huh. and he was on a big screen or something advertising and it was just me and brandon i took brandon over to get a new cowboy hat and i said you see that guy right there i said that guy's the epitome of a guy that promotes yep i said he created this persona that's mm-hmm. not even his real name mm-hmm. i said i think his wife probably calls him dale brisby now like, yeah. I, I don't need i was like there's no way this guy checks out at at, at night and yeah goes back into it like he plays the character uh-huh. nonstop, but he promotes he- tar out of it right and i said he's like oh yeah and i said no you don't understand i says he was just on the joe rogan podcast two weeks ago or something he goes no shit <laughs> yeah. like that's like that's how it all get, that's how it all gets connected too yeah. is like yeah. like I've, I've chatted with cam haynes and you know dale got on with cam haynes and cam haynes got on with joe rogan yeah. and yeah. you know but he is so good at his job and oh, i is. laugh so hard well, at some of his little and, skits that he does with his interns. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, funny. And he really is a cowboy. Like he's oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like he's handy. He's you a know? super puncher. Yeah, he, he <laughs> is. Puncher. You know, like he plays it, but like he's, you know, he he does a great job and, and I think he's a really good hand. Yeah. Too. Yeah. He so. he he plays um I love Dale Brisby. Yeah. 
If you're I've really never, good I've at what you do. I've never met him, and him and I chat on on social media all the time. Yeah. Uh, usually like about fitness stuff, yeah. workout stuff, and he, it's me. He wants workout stuff from me, and I'm like, "Can I just come out? Can you just like put me? I'll be an intern. Are you looking for another intern? I'll come out and intern." But I've actually never met him in person. But good dude. Yeah. Never yeah. met him, but I know he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, Josie, how can our people get in contact with you? What areas and, and parts of your life do you want to share with these guys so they can stay connected? Yeah, definitely. We, check. We've got a lot of producers, so you've got a family business that does, I mean, all natural exactly. products. Yeah. So tell us where guys can find you and how they can get involved. Yeah, so so my main business of Silver Lining Herbs, that's uh, silverliningherbs.com. Um, we got a phenomenal website and there's many ways to get a hold of us on there. Um, if you're interested on the business side of things and 10x farm and ranch, uh, you can go visit cardoneventures.com. Um, and, and there's a farm and ranch section on there that you can click on. But obviously my, uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, channels, I guess meta meta these days whatever it is see it's how fast it switches it changes constantly so that's that's josie young 82 that's j-o-s-i-y-o-u-n-g 82 go follow me on there i'm always posting stuff i'm always putting links out there for people to click on and and whether it's signing up for an event getting information whatever it is i'm always trying to promote on there so you guys give me a follow and stay in touch that way Perfect. Well, thank you for the invitation down here and for doing what you guys are doing to help our producers and bring that food stability. And um, glad you're here, Brooke. This was fun. Yeah, you know, I'm healthy. I'm here. Brooks is here. We're all here. Yes. We're, we're all solving here. problems and having a good time. Yep. So thanks, everybody. And uh, don't forget, shake the hand that feeds you.